0: What's going on, world? What's going on? It's your boy, Chase, CEO, Act Protect Engage. Gage. We are back with episode number two of the APE, Act Protect Gage Academy podcast. This is a very, very educational episode we're doing today. I know it's going to hit a lot of people. I know a lot of people are going to learn some stuff from this episode. And I think it's really important to kind of spread the word uh, and kind of spread good, positive information about the Second Amendment, okay? We need to know, as gun owners, the history and the mystery behind the Second Amendment. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the fire beats of my boy, Organic Dope Dope Dope. opportunity to spread knowledge about the second amendment i think it's a great opportunity to speak about something that so many people hold dear to their heart you know as being you know being gun owners is a responsibility right so we don't just want to go to the store the academy sports or the dick sporting goods or whatever you go and buy your firearms buy it and that's it, right? We just buy one, we think we're big and bad, we think we're Rambo, and then we just kind of throw it in the safe, right? We don't want to do that, okay? We want to educate ourselves, we want to learn, and we want to be able to use that knowledge not only to better ourselves, but also to educate other people because there's a lot of ignorant people out there with false kind of notions about what the Second Amendment Mm -hmm. means and kind of the history behind it. So this is what we're gonna do In episode number two of the APE Academy, APE Academy, Act, Protect, Engage Academy, we're going to talk about the history and the mystery behind the Second Amendment, okay? So this is going to be a brief history lesson. I'm not going to bore you guys to death. (laughs) No one wants to fall asleep. No one wants to be in a freaking college lecture on a podcast, right? I mean, I'm a nerd. I'm a history guy, so I love listening to that type of stuff, but... I know most of y'all don't really like that stuff, so we're going to make it brief, all right? First things first, we have to give a shout out to our sponsor of this podcast, of this episode, Bravo Concealment Holsters, okay, Bravo Concealment Holster holsters. They make the best holsters out there, the, some of the best tactical gear that you can get on the market, okay? Uh, outside the waistband holsters, inside the waistband holsters, magazine pouches, tactical belts. They have a wide array of gear for all of these serious everyday carry uh, participants out there. If you use our code APE10, APE10 at checkout, you'll get 10% off. All right, all right, all right. So this is what we're going to do for now. For now, we are going to talk about the history and mystery of the Second Amendment. But first, we're going to do a quick break so I can serenade you again with some fire beats. It is. Hey guys, okay, as you can tell, I like musical interludes, <laughs> I love music, I love hip-hop, I love rock, 80s rock, 80s metal, 80s thrash, um, I have a really, really wide, diverse array of music that I listen to, thank you Mr. Organic, dope, 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 we appreciate your beats, these are all custom made beats by my high school friend, my childhood friend, and uh, I'm definitely going to shout them out on our page, so I appreciate them okay okay so today episode two the history and mystery behind the second amendment first things first guys before we you know go any further what we want to do is we want to kind of define right we don't want to just throw stuff out there and without really any definitions. okay we want to define what the second amendment is so you'll hear it a lot on CNN and all these you know all these liberal kind of left-leaning news news uh, stations, news networks, talking about the Second Amendment, this, Second Amendment, that. Second Amendment doesn't allow you to do this. They don't say anything about ARs. They don't do this, that, that, blah, 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 blah. Womp, 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 right? OK, let's define it, right? So the Second Amendment protects our right to keep and to bear arms, OK? Protects our right to keep and bear arms, and it was based on English common law, right? English common law. Uh, the English Bill of Rights, which was ratified in 1689. So that is a old bill. That is a definitely an old old bill. Um, we were a lot of the things we did as Americans in the beginning was based off of English law, right? Because a lot of our early settlers, many of them actually, probably most of them in the beginning were English subjects, right? They came over to the new world to start a new life, to to either escape religious persecution. They went broke in England. (laughs) They were scrubs in England or whatever, outcasts, weirdos, whatever you want to call it. So they decided they wanted to start a new life, right? They wanted to start anew, start fresh, right? Where no one knows them. (laughs) Kind of like when you move when you're in high school and you're kind of a geek. And then your parents move to a new city and you have a chance to start over. That's kind of like what the uh, early settlers were like, okay? So a lot of stuff was based on the English law. So it was ratified in 1791. Okay? So this is what it says, right? A well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Let's read that again. A well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and and bare arms shall not be infringed." That is a powerful statement right there, okay? It's powerful, it's ambiguous, it's specific at the same time. Legal scholars have been ripping this thing apart, breaking it down, putting it back together since well before our, li- our lifetime, you know, since the beginning. Okay, so this is not a new debate in the legal community, the public policy community, the law enforcement community. It has been going on and on like a merry-go-round. Like that Motley Crue song. Merry-go-round. I'm not going to sing because I can't sing. Anyway, all right. So it was ratified December 15, 1791, along with the nine other articles of the Bill of Rights. So we're not going to go into what the Bill of Rights are, but... um, is one of uh, 10 articles, all right? If you're not sure what the Bill of Rights are, just Google it, man. Just Google it, you know? Information is at our fingertips. I remember I was in school, I had to look at the freaking encyclopedia of everything, you know, or go to the freaking uh, library and use the uh, Dewey Decimal System, remember that? For all you people over 30, uh, anyone under 30 right here listening? Anyone, anyone, anyone? Raise your hand, raise your hand. You guys have the internet. We did not have the internet. I'm an old dinosaur. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of how the language sounds and, it, and the language is kind of why the reason, is kind of what makes it so mysterious. Um, you know, because you can interpret a bunch of different ways depending on what side of the political spectrum you're leaning. You know, if if you're more conservative, you can say, oh, you know, we have a right to defend ourselves from anything with any type of weapon. It doesn't matter. It doesn't say, doesn't uh, specify what it is. Or if you're from the other side, you can say, you know, it's supposed to be a militia. It's not supposed to be everybody. It's just supposed to be a state regulated body, a state regulated militia. Okay. So we can go into that, but uh, that'll be for another podcast. This is just the outline. Remember, the goal of the Ape Academy is to educate. We're the Cliff Notes version. You ever been in, in a school and study for a test, and you were, like didn't have time to freaking read the assignment or the book that you gave you, like the Kill a Mockingbird or something, and you went and got the Cliff Notes from Barnes & Noble like the night before, because you know you had a discussion? That's how I pretty much made it through college. Shoot, do anybody. Okay, so... I'm gonna discuss one major case. You know, in this case, kinda uh, kind of set the precedent. Oh, it's, it's a recent case. Um, it kinda set the precedent for kinda like how the Supreme Court looks at the Second Amendment today. Um, because before this case, it was very, very murky, like extremely murky Um, how much control a city or state could have on the Second Amendment rights of its citizens. So the states varied widely, like drastically. Different states, some states had super restrictive rights, like California, and some states like Vermont or like New Mexico, like Arizona, pretty much it was the Wild West. It was like back in uh, Tombstone, you know, like the movie Tombstone with Doc Holliday. Okay, so there's two different extremes right so uh, and the states were kind of falling somewhere along the middle most states were kind of in between okay so this this case was called the district of columbia right d.c versus heller this is a supreme court case okay it was decided on june 26 2008 so at this time right I'm about to go on a short rant. On this time I was living in DC. So I went to University of Virginia as I told you guys and a lot of our graduates work and live in the DC area. So I spent a lot of time in DC and basically in DC handguns were like non-existent. Like if you were a law-abiding citizen. Now right. the gangs had plenty of handguns, right? The gangs were strapped. They were strapped the fuck up. But the regular citizens didn't have any like it was like Impossible to have a, a handgun in DC. It was literally banned. It was even really, really difficult to have a shotgun in your house. Like, basically, if you lived, in, if you were a DC resident or you spent a lot of time working in DC or you had family in DC, you pretty much were unarmed. It was just, it was really, really difficult. So, DC had banned handgun possession and they made it a crime to carry an unregistered firearm, right? So they made it a crime to carry an unregistered firearm. But then they prohibited the registration of fire, of handguns. So it was like you couldn't you could so they essentially made it impossible to own a handgun. Okay. Uh it authorizes the police chief to issue a 1-year license. This is before the uh 2008 decision. The uh, city had authorized the police to issue a 1-year license and it required the residents to keep lawfully owned firearms unloaded and disassembled, or bound by a trigger lock or a similar device. Okay, so what what I'm referencing right now is from the Cornell Law School website about this case. Let Let me repeat this, right? So, this is what DC did. They made it a crime. Let me break this down Barney style for everybody. I'm trying to understand it myself. It's crazy. They made it a crime to carry an unregistered firearm, but then prohibited the registration of handguns. So basically, you couldn't have a handgun, right? And then it said, you know what? No one can have an unregistered handgun. I don't care if you live here, you don't live here, you just can't have it in the city. The police chief had sole authority authority to issue a one-year license to have a handgun and let's say you didn't have a handgun let's say you know what I don't have a handgun forget it fuck it it's too complicated I don't want to deal with the red tape I don't want to get thrown in freaking jail for having a handgun just to protect myself so you say you know what I'm going I'm to try to buy a freaking deer hunting rifle I'm going to try to buy a freaking shotty, right a Mossberg or some shit like that I'm going I'm to get a shotgun right? guess what you had to buy it legally, obviously, a legally possessed firearm, unloaded, and disassembled. So you had to take it. So it's like if you had a shotgun, you had to take it apart, right? Either that or have it with a trigger lock. So you had to, if you were caught, like say the police for some reason had to go into your house and you had your shoddy in the corner without a trigger lock or without, uh, without it being disassembled, you got thrown to jail for that. Which makes it pretty much useless. I mean, if you have to run to your shotgun and find a tiny little key and unlock the trigger guard just to shoot an intruder, you might as well just get a freaking knife or a tomahawk or a damn battle axe you know, or one of those freaking uh, Braveheart long swords. You might as well do that because the shotgun is useless. You use it as a club. So, Heller was a uh, D.C. P- uh, policeman and he applied to register a handgun that he wanted to keep at his home, but DC refused. So the government, the District of Columbia government, refused. So what he did, what did he do? He filed suit, right, on the grounds that it violated Second Amendment rights. Okay, so that went all the way up to the freaking Supreme Court. So it started off in district court, right, in the lower courts, and that's kind of how it works. Is it just starts in the local circuits, and then it, as it gets as it gets passed on. As it, you know, from judge to judge to judge, it'll go up and up and up. And then it'll, if it's big enough and if it's uh, a really controversial issue, it'll be uh, heard by the Supreme Court. So this is what the court ruled. So the court ruled against D.C., right, against D.C., they said that the Second Amendment protects an individual right to possess a firearm unconnected with service in a militia. And you can use that firearm for lawful purposes only. Traditional lawful lawful purposes. I can't talk. Such as self-defense within the home. So basically, the court said, you know what? The militia, yeah, is in there, but that's not how the framers intended it. That's not how the founders uh, wanted it to be. They didn't just use militia as a specific thing, like only the militia can have it. There was just the way they spoke back then, right? So individual people can own firearms as long as it's used lawfully. So you cannot, own, you're, you don't have a right to own a gun if you're, if you're a bank robber. Like, oh, it's my right to own a gun. I freaking rob banks, and I have the right to rob banks. No. You only have the right to own a firearm if you're using it for self-defense only, for defensive purposes only, okay? Not used to intimidate, not used to bully people, not used to rob freaking liquor stores and, and rob drug dealers, none of that shit, all right? Just basic self-defense, okay? Yeah, so there's a bunch of legal jargon here about uh, prefatory causes uh, in the statements, and they're breaking it down. But that's basically what it said, right? What it said was, look, we can break this down as much as we want, right? We can make it as complicated and as stupid, right? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. We can make it as stupid as we want, but the founders intended the people to be armed. They wanted the average everyday citizen to be able to protect himself or herself and their community, right? and also against government encroachment. So if you know anything about history like I do, right, you will know that one of the biggest freaking fears of the founders, of the original framers of the Constitution was big government, right? Because the whole point of the damn revolution, of the damn American Revolution, was to fight against big government. They hated the fact that a king, an unelected monarch, that lived thousands of miles away across the freaking ocean was telling them that they had to pay taxes on shit that they weren't using, right? And could just come down with their red coat troops, with their British troops, and just barge into their homes, occupy their homes, kick kick settlers out, you know, confiscate their goods. Uh, You know, it was ridiculous. They were like, enough is enough, right? So the framers really really were weary of central power right so what they did was like okay we have to make sure that the people have an avenue to resist if for some freaking crazy reason the government or the the government ruling class or whatever the the politician become power hungry and want to like take over everything and subject the people the people can stand up with their own legally-owned firearms and fight against that, right? I'm not freaking, you know, saying we should rebel or anything stupid like that. One guy, uh, <laughs> funny story. Someone asked me, so I do a uh, freaking, uh, what do they call it, Instagram stories, right? Sometimes I'll, I'll say, hey, guys, ask me a question. Someone asked me, do you think a freaking, do you think a civil war is gonna happen? Like, do you, do you think... <laughs> a civil war is going to break out. I was like, well, damn, I I sure hope not. I don't think so, no. Right? So I'm not advocating any civil war, any stupid uprising like January 6th or anything. Oh, yeah, down with the freaking, no. No, I'm not saying any of that, okay? I'm just saying that one of the intentions of the Second Amendment was to secure our right to rise up if things got out of hand. Right. You ever seen, um, what's that movie? Equilibrium. Uh, there's another movie in Michael B. Jordan that I can't remember what it's called. But how the government just, like burns books, right? And outlaws reading and outlaws art. And, you know, it's like something like that. Although there are sci fi movies, those are based kind of on reality, right? You know, Nazi Germany is a perfect example the first thing the Nazis did was, was take away the guns of all the Jews. They the first thing they did was disarm the populace. The people they wanted to subject, they made sure they took their guns, then they took their wealth, they confiscated their wealth, then they made them, made them identify themselves. Those three steps. One, two, three. Okay? We cannot allow the government to villainize us as gun owners, right? And this is why We need to support organizations like the USCCA, like the NRA, like the gun owners of America, okay? Because we need to make sure our our voices are heard and we stand up for our rights as armed citizens, as advocates of the second freaking amendment, okay? Because we don't want history to repeat itself, okay? We really, really don't. As a student of history, that is like my worst fear and I'd be damned if I sit back and say nothing and do nothing. And this is one of the reasons why I started Act, Protect, Engage, was I wanted to engage regular gun owners, regular armed citizens on a different level, on a more relatable level. Guns are not just, firearms are not just for military and law enforcement people and veterans. They're for everyone, and everyone should be able to learn and train on them. Everybody should, okay? And I truly believe that. Alright, alright. We're, we're uh, running 23 minutes right now. 23 minutes. Uh, the next episode, I'm going to cut it short. The next episode is going to be um, basically talking about constitutional carry. Okay? We're going to talk about what constitutional carry is, the difference between open carry, concealed carry, the difference between constitutional carry and uh, having an LTC, which is a license to carry. Okay. So. I just want to sign out now. I love you guys. Thank you for listening again. Um, I'm trying to keep this podcast as organic as possible. Right. I'm not reading off a script. So excuse if I stumble a little bit. You know we're going to keep it real. 8 keeps it 100. 100. Okay. Remember. Put God first. Love your family. Hold your loved ones close. Grind. Get after it. Train. Be situationally aware. And be safe. God bless y'all. 8.